0: Category is, is. Mental health. Category is, is. It takes a village. Category is. is... Motherfucking stories over stigma. Don't <laughs> <laughs> Everybody
1: happy Happy what is this? Friday. Twelfth week of the show. Thirteenth week of the show. We made it. And we made it again. And I guess you know what? It's snowing getting ready to blizzard in New England. But I'm a little disgusted today. I think I'm gonna just dive right in there. I'm upset. I'm mad.
0: What else is new? <laughs>
1: listen no seriously all joking aside so i get this notification about a pastor Now, i grew up pentecostal i did candidly um and i knew there was an element of that church that everything was a demon and those were usually the fringe element of the pentecostal church i mean you know and even though the pentecostal church is like for more fringe than most christians in something to some degree But when this person, this pastor, Greg Locke from uh, Tennessee, I believe he is, got up before his congregation and basically said, I quote, your kid could be demonized and attacked, but your doctor calls it autism. As to say, autism, and he said the same thing about other mental illness, OCD and ADD, as being some sort of demon possession that they can anoint with oil and take it away. And I think what resonates with me is I have a cousin who unfortunately schizophrenic, who wouldn't take her medication, who went through this and is living with a terminal illness now in a group home and not raised her daughter because she believed in this toxic uh, Christianity and religion and i just have to say to all those individuals including you honey who's fighting and battling every day a mental illness shame on him and shame on his church uh you know for standing up and there were people at global vision cheering this man on this 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 heretic this I, I, you know, I don't even want to use any words because, you know, I want to maintain my cool. But I remember that night, the other night, when we started reading this. I mean, literally, we were both very upset and and almost brought to tears about it. And uh
0: well, we didn't read it;
1: we saw the video. We, yeah, we saw the video. It just it made you really sad. Yeah,
0: I mean. I know in some cultures, mental illness is um, still seen as, still seen like that. Like, it's still seen as as demons or as whatever you want to say, possession. Um, But I thought we were kind of beyond this, at least in, like, the big Western culture. I thought we were beyond this. I didn't think that people still thought that we were demon-possessed. Um, you know, we've talked about it on the show before. It it goes back to that whole, you didn't pray hard enough and that's why you got your illness or the whole, I'm not going to claim my illness or yeah, I mean- all of those things. This is just the most toxic version of those things, right? Like, those things are all very toxic, but this this is like
1: this is just yet another example of um, that. If someone from his church committed suicide because they just could not be close to God enough Mm -hmm. or holy enough that he would be crying and weeping right now, asking for forgiveness, saying he didn't have anything to do with it, but his,
0: I don't know if he would, I think that he would just say that, that yeah, they were demon possessed. I don't think that he would be crying about it. I think, After seeing the video, like he was, he was pretty dead set on that.
1: That's true. Now,
0: the nice thing is, is that in the video, he says that he's, he's, he says his statement that autism is, is the devil basically. And people got up, people got up and they left and then he yelled at them for leaving but at least people did get up and leave.
1: He didn't care. He literally didn't care if people left. He basically told them that they could leave.
0: He was like, go ahead and go if you don't believe me. And he's like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to leave. Um,
1: And a good example of this is kind of unrelated to mental illness, but there was a pastor somewhere in the South who said he wants all, anybody who's connected to the LBGTQ community to leave and don't come back.
0: Did
1: they leave? (laughs) The next Sunday. He told them not to come back. The next Sunday, there was only three people at this church.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Say? Say? Be careful what you ask for.
1: I know. It's it's really, I mean, you know, there is a movement in all the sadness of people who are just saying, you know what, I'm just going to raise to another level. And this is Mm -hmm. not what Jesus would do. This is not how Jesus would have us to, to act. And it's certainly not what scripture says, you know, if he was hanging out with prostitutes and drug addicts and the worst of the worst in order to try to shed light and bring light. In them, people with leprosy that was considered, you well, know, hey, I mean, I, come on.
0: I think what really sucked is that he was perverting the scripture, right? Because he was using the example of the man with the sick son who went to Jesus and begged him to just lay hands on him. And as soon as Jesus laid hands on him, the son was healed. And so he was saying that all of our sick kids, um, just need Jesus and they'll be healed and it's like okay well that's not only problematic for people with mental disability mental order mental dis- disorders um but it's also problematic for people with mental disabilities it's problematic for children with leukemia it's problematic for children with cancer like you're are they demon possessed like what is what is the excuse for that if if all you have to do is believe in Jesus and be
1: healed? Well, it's true, you know in some parts of our in, in, in some parts of our society um I don't think not so much anymore, but there used to be religious exemption against medical treatment, and I think in some um, um
0: there there's a whole group of yeah. people i forget yeah is it I forget what they are um what their religion is, but like they don't they can't take blood donors.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. and If a blood transfusion, transfusion. Oh, it's the um, it's Jehovah Witnesses. Okay. If it and and if they, you know, if they need a blo- a life saving blood transfusion, they'll die. It was it's God's will that they they die because that's not what the Lord wants you to do. And I think that's just that's I mean I I just I fundamentally don't agree with that. Um, because it to 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 agree with that you have to agree that medicine is of the of the devil and not of God. And I don't know if medicine is an I don't know if medicine is something of good and evil. It's medicine. There are people who pervert everything, including mm-hmm. religion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean there's people who pervert law. Right. right. Nobody preaches about them on Sundays. <laughs> um <laughs> No, but like One and th- should actually. This also is, you know, the whole point that, you know, people don't understand mental illness. They don't and they have no desire to understand it. Um you know, and we've talked about it before, about how you're just going to pray it away or you're just not going to claim it in the name of God and it will just go away. And it's like, you know, you don't hear people saying that about diabetes. You don't hear mm. people saying that about high blood pressure.
1: Well, they say it, but they still take their medicine.
0: Yeah, but they take their medicine. Right. They start exercising. They right. start eating right. They exactly. start doing what the doctors tell them to do. But if you sit there and you say, oh, I have anxiety. Well, that. That's not real sickness, right? No. That's not real.
1: I'm not gonna claim it in the name of Jesus. Yeah,
0: it's just.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's like
0: because it's not physical, it's not legitimate.
1: Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Oh, and it, you know, it's it's. It, it, I mean, enough with that because we know there's enough people out there perverting, but I just wanted to say that like, that was just inappropriate. And, you know, there's just no way that I could like accept that. Um, And you know what, and honestly, a shout out to Joelle, our, you know, one of our resident guest uh, um, co-hosts, guest hosts, who said, there needs to be a separation between spirituality, religion, and mental health care. Although support can be found in the realm of religion, in no way is it the repl- a replacement for mental health services, treatment, or medication that helps people maintain healthy and daily functioning. Now, that was, I mean, sh- shot out, spot on. And, you know, it's not,
0: I will say this because I've been very agitated in a lot of the mental health groups recently. And I don't know what it is. Okay, so, like, all the bipolar groups I'm in are, like, good, solid great with advice. You know, if it gets too heavy, go see your doctor, that kind of stuff. You get into these other groups, like ADHD groups, and especially the OCD groups, like they are off the wall.
1: Mm. Um, Mm. What do you mean? (laughs) Like what happened? Oh, give us one example. I should say probably a lot has happened.
0: So one of the biggest things is um, people who self-diagnose now self-diagnosis can be a good thing. And it is legitimate in a lot of cases, but I find that OCD is self-diagnosed because people just want their house clean or, um, they just want stuff put back in the place where they put it right. Like they're just neat. They're tidy. Maybe it's a little neurotic, but it's not OCD. Um, OCD doesn't have, OCD has a compulsion, um, element to it. But the reason that we do the compulsions is because of the intrusive and ruminating thoughts in our head. Um, so there's that. Uh Just all these people flood these groups talking about I am, I'm so OCD. And it's like, you're not. And it's kind of offensive. But beyond that is that people in these groups, I wouldn't call them lesser illnesses. I would call them Illnesses that you can learn how to cope with. So like ADHD, you don't always have to medicate ADHD. You can learn coping mechanisms. The same with like milder forms of OCD. Um, the same even with, you know, mild forms of depression. You, you can learn coping mechanisms and your triggers and things like that. But the way that people want to talk about how do I cure this homeopathically and it's like well a there's not a cure Mm -hmm. you're not going to be cured Mm -hmm. now there's an argument within the mental health community on if you can go into remission it's not truly remission like cancer but they call it remission so like that's when you are stabilized you're you're in remission um i don't like the use of that term because it makes it sound like it went away mental health doesn't go away it gets better but it doesn't go away but it I get so annoyed because everybody knows somebody who cured themselves of something by eating apples every day, you know, like, and taking the
1: powder, <laughs>
0: it's just unhealthy advice. And so you got people in these groups mm-hmm. who are desperate and are hurting and who need help and, you know, just as toxic as it is to go to your spiritual leaders for help. And they say, oh, just pray harder. It's just as toxic to go to like a group and say, I need help. And they're like, oh, well, have you tried yoga and think positive thoughts and, you know, what you think you'll manifest. And it's like that.
1: Yeah, well, we'll see what happens to your last doctor who told you to just over like think about it don't think about it
0: don't think about
1: it don't think about it i mean
0: i get what she was saying she was don't obsess upon it you know like don't work yourself up over it kind of thing but in the end yeah it's don't think about it and it's like oh you've cured my depression why didn't i think of that like
1: i can just ignore it and think about fruit yeah and flying unicorns and and I'd i'd be happy
0: you can't positive think your way out of mental illness. You just can't
1: no, trust me. If I could, I mean, you know, I would have too.
0: I mean, if um, I could have done that, I would have been cured years ago, like, yeah, I know. If I that's know. the case, then why are psychologists still in business?
1: I don't know, yeah, you know what, according to these people, i don't I don't even know why they're still here. They shouldn't even exist anymore.
0: yeah, and you get people who are like, "Oh, just don't eat gluten or cut out dairy, and it's like, okay. It's a chemical imbalance in your brain. Right. Like it, legit, your neurons don't work. Right. All the healthy food in the world, are are. it's not going to help that. Okay, so we have a question. It says, what are your thoughts on doctors who want to force meds, benefit to the patient or pharmaceutical company? I think if any doctor is forcing someone to take meds, then there needs to be a bigger conversation about that. Why, why is that patient resistant to medication? Um, you know, I think it could be a lack of education on either side. I've personally never been with a psychiatrist who tried to force meds on me. Um, I know that a lot of people, a lot of people are overly medicated. I mean, that is a huge problem in the mental health community. And that happens because why? We get on one medication, it comes with a side effect. So now we're on that medication to combat that side effect. Well, the second medication has its own sort of side effect. So now we have to get on a third medication. And at some point, it's just all becomes too much. Um, yeah, I've never really had that encounter. Of having doctors who want to force meds. I mean, I've always been a proponent for medication. Um, you know, it's it's a balance between medication and therapy, um, and education, learning um, about your illness and learning your triggers, and 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 learning, you know, what sets you off, and you know, having a healthy lifestyle, sleeping. That's a big one. You got to sleep. Um, and of course, exercise is part of that too. Um,
1: but I guess the, the the question I have, honey, is the, the question itself begs another question. And that's what I mean. And and the question is is not that the, if the doctor is forcing you, is why are you? Not, and she and Rebecca, you actually you did say it. Why are you not taking meds? Like, what's your what is what? Let me see. Uh, huge problem with adolescents parents blindly follow doctor's advice and i
0: i have seen that i have seen that we over medicate our children yeah. a lot of the times um, we
1: start with ritalin and yeah. well
0: ritalin was a big issue you know and everybody was on it mm-hmm. everybody got one it was like mm-hmm. freaking m&ms yeah, and know. then you know a decade or two later we find out that it causes men to have breasts so it's you know it's hard with these mental health medications um I think that but when all- you have a child with a mental health disorder, good point, yep. That you have to become a your own advocate, right? Um, and it's hard to do because you want to trust the medical doctors. You want to trust them and and think that they have your best interest at heart, but at the end of the day, they're doctor and they can make mistakes too. And not all of them are good. I mean, we just talked about it. You, you can have crappy lawyers. You can have crappy doctors. Um, so you have to educate yourself on things. And when it, when it doesn't feel right, you, you have to make a change. You have to change your doctors. We have had, I mean, everyone knows our son suffers with um, certain mental health issues. And we have had doctors that we have had to change. Um, not necessarily because they were pushing medication, but because we just didn't like what they were trying to tell us
1: yeah, I mean I you know when it comes to you know being a parent and parroting a child, you like Rebecca says you have to trust your instincts, but the biggest thing is is that whenever any any physician or you know um, tells us what we need to do or what they what our child needs to take, we go and do our research ourselves as well. Um, uh, just in terms of like, what are the impacts? What are the side effects? And yeah, we, you know,
0: we really, we really, even with, with my medication, like we really take the time to, it's like, okay, the doctor says you should take Seroquel. Okay. Okay. I hear you. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go look into it. I'm I'm not going to say yes or no right now. I want to look into it. And I know, you know, Google isn't necessarily research, but you know, you can go to places like the Mayo Clinic. Um, you can yeah. go to I dot com and it will give you all the side effects listed with that medication. The ones that aren't normally reported, the ones that really are reported. Right. You can type it in and it will tell you mm-hmm. if there's any interactions with the medication you're already on. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, that way you're not like over medicating yourself. Um, but yeah, I mean, you learn really quick when you have these kind of issues that you really have to be your own advocate.
1: That's right. Sidebar shout out to Lightbright who said, Oh, like, le- <laughs> welcome. Yes, welcome. All right, All right anyway. well,
0: let's get into it. Let's um, get Do uh, your little thingy. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, for <laughs> do your thing. Productions presents Girl Interview Double Week. All okay
0: so today we have um amber with us um and amber comes to us because we were in the same group on Facebook so hi amber how are you
2: I'm doing well how are you all good,
1: good thanks good. welcome amber Get thank it. you for braving uh um, <laughs> being brave and, and coming on the show
2: <laughs> no problem it's I mean it's like a blizzard outside right now so you know so <laughs> not are you, do you-
1: where, where do you live
2: I know she's on the east I Coast. In, that's all uh, I know. Yeah, um in Kentucky, in Louisville, Kentucky, like it's not like oh. as bad as it is like farther east, but I mean, it was like they said it was going to be like a dust stain, and so far there's like 2 inches, 2 3 inches, Dang. which is a lot for Louisville because usually stuff say, misses us. I
1: was going to say for Kentucky. That's like that well, is for of snow.
2: Louisville
0: is, yeah. is is west, too. Like like you said it usually just clips that eastern um mm-hmm. we, I have family in Louisville. Um, oh, okay. we don't really get there very often, but I have a second cousin. I don't know. I lose track of how many removed in, in and Paris. all that.
1: She's in Paris.
0: Yes, and then I have I have a direct cousin in Paris, Kentucky. Oh,
2: okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, tell us about you, Amber.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, okay. I am. Um, let's see. I'm bipolar too. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking like where should I start? Like that's like the main reason why, you know, I like that's the criteria, that's, you know. That's to such be on a here.
0: <laughs> That's such a hard question though. You know, tell me about yeah. you.
1: Like Well, no, well, like, not really uh, the, But you know what, honestly, <laughs> no. that's true. But the shot you, you know, know, a point of clarification. You the show is built around Rebecca's bipolar 2 diagnosis, but we will talk we we want to talk to everyone from OCD uh, ADHD, all, I mean, the whole spectrum, oh, yeah, definitely. autism, yeah, because and, and sometimes they're, or most times they're comorbid anyway, so, but anyway, go ahead, I'll, I digress.
2: Okay, yeah, um, well, I'm 34 years old, um, like I said, I live in Louisville, Kentucky, um, I'm a chef, um, I've been cooking for like 15 years, that's pretty much, or like more than that, actually, like, I pretty much have always cooked um, as a job. Um, I work at a hospital now. Um, Let's see. I was diagnosed when I was like 13 um, with bipolar. Um, In that way, I started like not knowing how to deal with my emotions. So I turned to drugs and alcohol. So I'm also a recovering alcoholic addict. And um, I mean, mainly I've always I love like coming on here and talking because I don't think people talk enough about Mm -hmm. mental illnesses or just mental health in general. Mm -hmm. And like you all were saying earlier, it was just like people don't have a clue what it's like unless if they're in your shoes, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like I feel like not just with mental illness, but lots of things people just judge so quickly and don't, you know, like. Take a second to listen and actually try to learn something or understand. Yeah.
1: We, are you born and raised in Kentucky?
2: Yeah. I don't hear a southern
1: accent. What little happened? Bit. I know she got a little bit.
2: When she says Louisville.
1: That's true. Yeah, she does have yeah. the Louisville. She does have the Louisville. That's true.
2: But no, I've I've always heard that they're all people are like you don't sound very country, but it'll come out once in a while, you know. Hmm. Yeah, but Louisville isn't like the backwoods.
1: It's not like, need, like, no, it
2: like it. you're
0: in Appalachia. Like what do they want? <laughs> they, what do they want from you?
1: We want a little y'all. We want a little Gretchen. <laughs> a little hey y'all. <laughs>
0: so I mean thirteen is thirteen is pretty young to be diagnosed with bipolar.
2: Um It is. Um that like my mom took me and i think it was more of a manipulation thing cuz my mom oh. is of course mentally ill but never got um never diagnosed you know officially mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. definitely you know I, I see like i saw it all you know and um she took me to manipulate me to hate my dad more and stuff but i was having emotional issues but sh- I think she was thinking they would give her like Xanax or something because she was also a drug addict and alcoholic. So, mm. and so it was like between 13 and about 25 years old, I was often on medication, mm-hmm. but also, you know, using and drinking. So it was like, I never had a baseline. And uh, when I was 25, um, I had like a psychotic breakdown. I went into psychosis uh while I was at work. I uh they found me in one of the meeting rooms at this hotel I worked at, like in the corner, like in the fetal position. And it was just like I just broke down mm-hmm. and I hadn't been on medicine for like a while then. And then I went, and ever since then, I've always stayed on it, but uh to go back, like, I didn't think I really had anything wrong when I was younger. And I can see it lots of times. It's very difficult to tell, you know, you, mm-hmm. I feel like they threw pills at me right away, which I don't mm-hmm. think they should have, but I've noticed as I get older, the, my mental illness shows itself more and more, you know, even though I'm on medicine and I am a lot more stable than I have been in the past, but I still, it's like those thought, the, thought obsessions, like, you know, mm-hmm. negative thinking. It's more of the depression side that gets me than, well, you that, know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's bipolar, too,
0: in a nutshell, right? Yeah. Like, we get, mm-hmm. we the ones get the mania, and they get all this fun time being, <laughs> right? you know, out their mind mm-hmm. and running around thinking they're God. <laughs> and, you know, we just get to lay in our beds and cry all the damn time, like,
2: I know, yeah Yeah, because it was like I've had a couple like manic episodes In my life But they were, you know, when I was younger And um, The first two times, you know, were like Oh, this is awesome But then after a while I just got like angry And like irritable manic And like couldn't Mm -hmm. sleep But it was terrible Like, it was like I felt like shit Oh, I'm sorry That's (laughs) okay bad Mm -hmm. (laughs) I felt bad. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like either way, but No, I was always a, feeling bad. Okay, here's, sorry.
0: Here's a question that I find with myself. I mean, I wasn't diagnosed until I was twenty-one, but mm-hmm. it was obvious that I that I had a mental illness all through my formative years. Like, you know, I can remember back to like nine and being this way. Um mm-hmm but i found because i had because i had so much emotion and so much lack of a better word craziness going on when when i was growing up like i got into my 20s and i got stable and i got healthy and it was kind of like i looked around and it's like i don't really know what my personality is right like yeah like my personality was so wrapped up in my mental illness That outside of that, I didn't really know who I was. And so, like, I had to spend my 20s and even into my 30s, like, trying to
2: figure that crap out. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like, Mm. it's hard for me because I'm very passionate about and I'm a very open person. So it's like, I don't know, I I always like to share my story with people maybe too quickly, you know, but I, you know, like
1: <laughs> at a oh bus well. stop, <laughs> Yeah, I'm like,
2: you know, at the gas station. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Coming over but to the it, table, uh... say, are you enjoying your meal? By the way, I'm bipolar too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, like you said, when I was younger, it was definitely like, so focused on that. And that's like, all I want to talk about. Like, I look back at my Facebook memories like 10, 12 years ago. And it's like, everything is just like just straight, like mental, like health awareness stuff constantly, Mm -hmm. which is good. But you know, I have, like you said, like, what is my personality? There's more to me than just being bipolar. Yep. I mean, you know, just like somebody that's diabetic, there's more that you don't like identify as like I am diabetic, you know, like, (laughs) You don't introduce like yourself. Just... Hi, how are you? My name's Rebecca. I'm
0: diabetic. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> you know, some people some people say some people are taking these whole pronouns way too far. You know, mm-hmm. you can't go he him diabetic. <laughs> right. That is Well, not... yeah, you can't
0: you can't identify as... <laughs> You can
1: identify as a diabetic. I mean,
0: right, exactly. You can identify as whatever you want to, honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's
0: a little weird, but
1: you know. You know. Yeah. You can.
0: Diabetic. Okay. <laughs> I think with me too, it was also you know because I wasn't diagnosed, it 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 kind of got that you know oh that's Rebecca. She's just very dramatic, right? Like she's just very dramatic, or she's kind of a witch, or all those things. Mm-hmm. So then when like you don't have those you know ups and downs and those mood swings, and it's like, am I dra- am I a dramatic person? Like. Mm -hmm. am am I really a dramatic person or was I just sick and so you gotta spend that time kind of figuring it out because it's like two different people right it's like Mm -hmm. me unstable and unmedicated and then me medicated and stable and then you add addiction into that which I had too and now it's Mm -hmm. like three or four different people and you gotta figure out (laughs) which one you really are
2: yeah exactly and I was going to say that. It's the same like when I got sober, like, you know, like, who am I if I don't drink, you know? And, yeah. You know, it's like, like you said, like, there's so, like, when people are like, what do you like to do for fun or as a hobby? Like, I have no clue because most of the time when, you know, if I'm not stable, I'm just surviving sometimes mm-hmm. just to get through the day, you know? It's like, oh, I work and come home. <laughs> like Right. You know, like, some days work- that's all I can do. And then, but then... As, you know, as I get stable, like, what do I, you know, like, <laughs> there are times where, you know, I'm like, what do I do? And I'm bored, you know,
1: but... Well- and I want to pry into your private, private life because this is already revealing enough. Do you have a care team, a partner, significant other who's also helping you manage your illness? I mean, you know, some people like to say that that helps. I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like I'm going along for the ride. Like she handles it all. <laughs> but, you know, but like the thing is, is that I, I you know, I, I wonder what, where you're coming from
2: yeah, in terms um, of that. No, I have – um. I have a husband. Um, we've been together for six years. Um, so he's he's as supportive as he can be without having a mental illness, you know, because there's some things, like, he he just doesn't get, like, or, I, I don't know, it's hard to explain because it's, like, he's very supportive up to a point. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, but it's the healthiest relationship I've ever had because the other ones were so toxic. It's like, you know, you don't separate, you know, I can't rely a hundred percent on him, you know, to mm-hmm. like help, help the situation. So it's like a good balance that I haven't had before. Cause usually it's like, so codependent is out of control. If that makes sense. Like yes, he is supportive, but he also lets me work through things, you know, by myself if I want to. Well, and we
0: run into that too. Like you can only be supportive up to a certain point because at the end of the day, you're not in my brain. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and when I do tell you everything that's going on in my brain, you, you get exhausted. Um
1: (laughs) It's exhausting. I mean, and then I love your statement. Well, try being me. I'm like, no, no. Like I would, I wouldn't even get up during the day. It's too much.
0: I mean, I totally understand where you're coming from. Like, yes, they can be the most supportive people in the world, but they can only support up to a certain point. Um, and, and, you know, that's where you have to, you know, you have to support yourself and you have to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is a very hard thing to learn how to do. Right. And so that's why a lot of us end up in those codependent relationships and, you know, that's not rare at all with mental illness especially in women.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean and and I think, you know, it to some degree I've watched you become less codependent over the 17 years mm-hmm. as you have increased stability and um your own personal achievements and you've been in, and you empower yourself. As that has gone on, your level of codependency has decreased, which is healthy because there was a time where I felt like I couldn't even go to the store, you know, for Mm -hmm. just, you know, like, you know, without it being sometimes a little issue. There was a little, there was a moment in time of when it was very unstable, Mm -hmm. insecure feeling. Yeah. So I, I, I imagine, Amber, as you. As, as, as time goes on, I don't know how long you've been married. Six years. Six years. She did say six, six years. I'm so, yeah. sorry. Okay. She did say six. Okay. Pay
0: attention.
1: I know. You know what? I am so sorry. Uh, <laughs> that drives her nuts too because sometimes I'll drift <laughs> on my brain. I'll, I'll, I'll start thinking about work and other things. And uh, today I was thinking about her job just that second ago. But anyway, I, um, but I would imagine that you'd feel more stable as time goes on. And also, if you ever want your husband to come on the show, we are, we desperately want to do specifically caregiver, caregiver show. Um, okay. and, yeah. And, uh, because it is a unique set of complaints and I don't even know if you guys should even be around listening because <laughs> <laughs> it might get brutal. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I say that was my long question to you. Do have, have you felt more stable as time went on in your marriage?
2: Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, I think from the start of our relationship, um, it was, you know, like completely different than any other relationship, you know? Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I just lost my train of thought. That's Sorry. okay. That so,
1: I forgot that you were married for six years, so don't feel bad oh, at yeah, all. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so
0: I have a question. You, yeah. you obviously knew that you had bipolar before you married your husband. So mm-hmm. a lot of the times we get the question – how do I tell my whoever that I have a mental illness? And at what point do you tell your whoever that you have a mental illness? And that's something that Steven and I can't really answer because we were already married and a baby when we found out that
1: I was bipolar. Mm. So-
0: <laughs> how-
1: she how- robbed <laughs> me of the discovery.
0: <laughs> how did, how did that conversation go? Like, how do you broach such a big topic with a person that you're not necessarily like 100% committed to, right? Like you're just dating. You're just, how do you talk about that? Um, Well, like
2: (laughs) uh, for me, like we worked, we uh, met at work. So we were friends and stuff before that. And, um, I'm just, like I said, I'm a very open person. (laughs) So I'm sure like within the first week of like working with me, I said something about like my whole life story to him. So it was like, he already knew and was pretty, you know, aware of what he was like, you know, what the situation was with me, but it was like, it was different than any other toxic relationship I've had in the past because we actually dated. He wanted to get to know me. Like, um, it was like the normal kind of like progression of a relationship of getting to know people and, you know, like, and also being sober helped that situation. But, um, yeah, like, so in that situation, I didn't really have to tell him anything, but even in the past, I feel like they already know by the time we're dating, like, it's not like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) they're like something wrong with that one. (laughs) Right? At that point, you're just putting a name on it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Well, one one of our um, guests in the studio audience, I will call it, uh, just said, uh, uh, for 20 years, I've been with a man that says, I make up my anxiety, depression, and uh, ADHD. Now, that's, I mean, that's just sad.
0: I mean, Mm -hmm. it's sad, but again it comes down to education you know how much of that does he understand like what does he think anxiety depression and adhd Mm -hmm. are because i can tell you right now there are people who think adhd doesn't exist they think Mm -hmm. that we all made it up and we're just looking for attention or we're just looking for excuses
1: you just need to beat your kids right like They, yeah. It's boy
0: energy is a lot of what we heard when our son was diagnosed. That's true. Um, mm. So I think maybe, yeah, I would broach it on that that way is it's like maybe he doesn't understand it. I mean, obviously, for 20 years, he hasn't made an, a point to understand mm. it. And that's a little
1: toxic. But, um Well, my concern is that I, you know, my question for you light bright is, is your environment safe and stable because someone not willing to explore uh, something like that might be, uh, um, uh, you know, there might be some concerns there. So.
0: Yeah, it's all in my head. You hear that a lot with people who don't really believe that mental illness is a thing, right? Like it's, it's all in my head,
1: right? It's the opposite of safe. I encourage you to, did we put in a, Um, I encourage you to, I don't
0: know if I know we have some hotlines up for yeah. us and UK, but I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I would encourage you to reach out to a loved one or a safe place, safe organization in your community where you can, you know, get some help and some safety mm-hmm. and some protection. Um, Cause Amber, I mean, I don't know if you've been in that situation um, um, in terms of not feeling yeah. safe. What were you able to do to get to safety
2: Um, I mean, usually, uh, it was, I would call a hotline. Like mine was safety, uh, for myself, from myself, you know, it's a little different, but you know, like whenever I am scared or not in a safe situation, um, I always call someone, I always call my dad. I always have, he's like 78, but you know, like reach out to someone, you know, Mm -hmm. anyone, um, that's what I, you know, that's what I would do. Like, that's the best thing. And if you don't have anyone, like you said, there's so much stuff in the community in most communities that, you know, are willing to help. And there's plenty of hotlines to get you started. And yeah, I would just reach out for sure.
1: Yeah. And Lightbright Bright said, they're, they're really working hard to get out of that situation and good for you, you know, yeah. really good, really good for you. And, uh, uh, certainly keep us posted and we don't want you to put yourself in a situation that's harmful. Um, uh, so anyway, um, Amber, so after, you know, you know, meeting your, your husband and now you've been married for six years, like, how did you really, uh, get yourself to, uh, to, to stability? Um,
2: well, it was once I got sober and, uh, a couple years later, we got married. Um, and since then, it's just, it's been a lot of hit and misses with medicine. But I also did uh, the DBT uh, therapy. Oh, how was that?
1: Yeah. It was really, it's really good. I've, I'd, I've never I'd, done, I done it before. Workbook.
2: Yeah, it was, I went to um this therapist for a while that before the pandemic and everything um and i actually would like work through each chapter and then we would talk about it the next week but it helped me out so much um that definitely like jump started getting to the stability you know um i kind of went back and forth for a while just because you know it's a brand new way of looking at things and thinking and you know you have it you have to keep practicing it and you You know, uh, that's what I do, like practice uh, mindfulness and just be in the present moment, which helps a lot with anxiety. Um, It's not, you know, trying to, uh, you know, ride the emotions like waves, like they say, you know, like different little things they had, you know, like meditating and, you know, going to my doctors when I should and. Overall, it's good. You know, I've had to tweak the medicine some now uh, just because of different side effects and stuff. But overall, I think the DBT was definitely the turning point, like the best thing that I ever did to help myself. Uh, You know, it was almost like I had a new awareness of Mm -hmm. myself that I never had before.
1: And so, and how has, so how did your family, okay, you were, though you were diagnosed early, and, uh, which means you must have had a supportive family, you know, growing up. And that's probably the first question. Were they supportive? And how are they now, um, guiding, helping be some, uh, part of your care team as an adult?
2: Um, well, uh, my, it was it was a really messed up. Yes, my parents were supportive in their own way, like not together supportive, but separately. Uh, they they got divorced when I was 18, but I was an only child and they slept in separate bedrooms, never showed affection, you know. Um, mm. So that was kind of what I grant, like, you know, not supportive with each other. So I never saw how a relationship or marriage was supposed to be anyway. Um mm. And then when I was like 15, 16, I started having um, self-harming issues like Mm. uh, with cutting myself. And I went to my mom and she just told me she would start buying me liquor and she just started buying me like vodka. She told me Mm, it helped mm, her. mm. And at that point, she had been drinking like every day for a while. And I'm like, uh, because for a while she was sober when I was younger and mm-hmm. then um, she started drinking again. But, you know, it took a long time to work through that as well. You know, uh, realizing all this stuff as a child. Um, so that does kind of hinder my adult like relationship with her. Um, so she's not I don't think she's mentally capable of being supportive at this point in her life. I don't mm. think she's aware. Like she is. She's just so like. Unaware of and in denial about you know her mental um, health issues and just and just her past you know and what she did to me she doesn't see like how bad it really affected me so it's so it's hard you know I don't really get that from her but my father is you know like he's seventy eight so it's kind of a new thing for you know like back when he was a kid they weren't you know it wasn't you know, people weren't open about it as much, you know, about their emotions and stuff. Um, No, because they'll put you in a
1: hospital back then. Right.
2: Yeah. Exactly. So he, you know, he's really supportive. He doesn't, like, understand a lot of it because he's also a Marine and he's, like, hardcore. He's like, I have no emotions. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: hard. (laughs) Yeah.
2: But he's a really, you know, he's really supportive, though. And he's, like, you know, the number one, uh, cheerleader for me, so I'm glad. I'm really grateful f- to at least have him, you know, to be that supportive, and then right. my husband as well, you know.
1: So and and you guys, and, and you don't have a young person, um, like children yet, do you?
2: No, I actually uh, just had a hysterectomy uh, oh. this past Christmas because I had growth in my uterus. So Ugh.
1: I am so sorry. Mm-hmm.
2: It's okay. Um, I mean. It took, you know, like I went back and forth about it, like about wanting children since I was like in my 20s. And at this point, it was like the issues that it was causing me outweighed me just like, you know, it outweighed it, like because it would already have complications and all kinds of stuff. And it was just like at this point, I'm like, it's just not meant to be at least that way. You know, it doesn't mean that you can't adopt or anything. So and I'd rather do that anyway. So I'm not too worried.
0: Just go get you a bunch I've, of puppies.
2: Right. I have cats. There you go. There you go. Bunch of cats. I love there cats. There you go. Yeah. There you go. They
0: are going to be less expensive in the long run. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can tell you that than these little crumb snatchers. Um, every time we turn Amen around,
1: them.
0: yes, we have to buy something.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and they and they keep growing. They keep growing. They
0: keep getting bigger. All right. So our youngest, we bought him, we bought him new hoodies. I would say mm-hmm. in like November. This little crumb snatcher put them on today, and they don't reach his wrists. <laughs> I'm like, those were purchased in November.
1: Right. I mean, it it just it keeps happening. It's just so annoying. It's like it's like we we can't keep up with these these two. They're like weeds, and it just it never stops. And and our oldest is like taller than I am, and I'm six one, and he's only sixteen years old. Yeah, he's
0: pushing six two.
1: Yeah, like already, like he's wow. humongous. Yeah. It's yeah.
0: just yeah, the cats will be less expensive.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> I mean, unless you get like a special needs, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, know, well yeah you know,
1: they could move out in rural Kentucky and come take some of our goats
0: no they take our
1: goats at our <laughs> only have
0: two I'm not getting rid of them
1: uh, too, too too many <laughs> but uh, um uh, this the young lady we're talking to now she says she drinks up to two gallons of vodka a week mm. was, was 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 she does use the word was um did you go into an outpatient or inpatient treatment facility amber to uh I, I, and I didn't even ask you what your addiction was I don't think
2: oh no you're fine um, no, I mean, it was a little bit of everything. It was okay. like different through stages, like drinking and then, um, and then like a lot of methamphetamines or heroin mm-hmm. and, mm. um, harder things. Uh, but, um, yeah, like what was the question? I'm sorry.
1: No, that's okay. No, I was talking about your treatment. Like, did you go oh, the treatment, sort of an yeah. inpatient care or did you do it from home or,
2: um, I, I it was I tried to get sober a lot before I actually like stayed sober um, I knew I had a problem when I was like 20 first time I went to rehab and I didn't get you know it took me a little while like five more years to get you know sober mm-hmm. or so and um the last time I ended up going to this place that was Pretty much like a homeless shelter, but it had a long term um, treatment like alcohol and drug treatment program in there. Mm -hmm. And it was um, so it's like they it was a homeless shelter slash that and you could go through the program. It was all free because, you know, it was just um, and I did that, but I didn't stay the whole time. It was like almost a 12 month program. I stayed and just detox there. And from there I would go to meetings and everything like that. And as, you know, the longer I'm sober, I don't really go to those media. I don't really go to meetings anymore. It's like I stay in contact with some people that I met through that, you know, because I don't really hang out with anybody. I don't hang out with anyone that drinks or anything anymore. So, right. Right. um,
1: so you're so living a healthy now, life. You're, you're having, you're living a super healthy life. And so how did you become a chef? Like when did that inspiration come to flourishing, uh, as an adult, as a child, like how did that? Um,
2: I always loved to cook, but um, my first job was at like a makeup store, like Sephora or like someplace like that. It sold mm-hmm. all kinds of makeup. And I did makeup on people in high school and stuff like that. But it honestly just randomly happened. Like I quit that job and I went to this restaurant where my friend was a server and I was like, Hey, can I be a server? And they're like, no, but we have a cook position. And I didn't, you know, it's like, whatever, I need a job. And so I did it. And it's like, naturally, I'm just very like fast and efficient at cooking and, and like, you know, working on a line at, you know, busy restaurants. And so, so what types like of things in- are
1: you, we have, what types of things are you preparing on that menu?
2: Well, um,
1: are you on the river too? I'm, huh? Yeah. Hmm, there's a restaurant.
2: on the river, baby.
1: Well, I know, but no, I'm talking about the restaurant. Because the restaurant, I went to a restaurant on the uh, the Indiana side on the river, and they had the best buttery rolls. Remember I showed you their website? I, I want to get back down there. But anyway, go ahead. I digress. See, I love oh, food. No. That's my problem.
2: <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, well, I used to, uh, I mean, I worked in restaurants and everything. At this point, though, I... I'm not really can't be creative really since I work at a hospital. I have to follow exact recipes because I'm like in charge of the food for the patients. So there's like, so I do all my creative, like a creative stuff at home. Um, but I used to like, I would cook it. I could cook anything, honestly. Like I've worked at like Mexican restaurants, you know, uh, like pubs, like, I like I can pretty much if you give me something I can like figure out a way to like make it into something.
1: So yeah, wow, you're that you know that's talent. That 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 takes that that takes a lot of talent. Um well good for you and congratulations on your journey and um and coming out on this side you've certainly have had your challenges since 13. So um you know before we wrap up tonight and um or th- this show uh, you know, we always ask our guests, or we try to, about what song sort of articulates or expresses the mood um, at the moment. And if you give me a song, you know, but you know, we we can keep talking, but we'll go ahead and get it prepped and get it ready.
0: So, what's your favorite uh, song right now?
1: She's thinking now. We should, yeah, I thinking. we should have the Jeopardy music. Doom, 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 <laughs> doom, doom, doom. I should have
2: just kept on. I should have looked at when my Spotify. What?
1: <laughs> you can go with any genre. I mean, I mean, what last week uh, when we were talking to Will, we had uh, we had country and weird, not weird, but really cool Hawaiian. Uh, that is a classic. That's a classic song. I right know, and I love that song actually.
2: I like. I like. Um, I'm feeling like '90s rock music.
1: Ooh, um, Stone Temple Pilots.
2: Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Mm. What anything from them.
1: Mm. I like ooh. them.
2: I've always liked them.
1: Oh, you know, my me too. That's the first concert I ever went to, actually.
2: Oh, no, really? Pilots.
1: Yeah. Nice. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Which one do we really want? Uh there's plush. There's Interstate Love Song. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's do that. So, anyway, so tell us about your husband while we get our song prepped.
2: Yeah. Um, we are actually, um, have a 14 year difference. He's 14 years older than me. Um, he has, um, wow, daddy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) He always dated people a lot older than me. So it's nothing, it's nothing new. (laughs) Um, he has an 18-year-old son. Um, let's see. He works at the hospital, but he works down. He does material management, uh, mm-hmm. which is the people that manage all the hospital materials, like the saline bags, you know, gloves, everything, anything that has to be distributed through the hospital that has to do with the medical side. like.
1: Oh, oh honey, logistics. That was your deal in the military. I did that in the military.
2: Oh really?
0: yeah I was in medical logistics in the military, so yeah you you order and ship and get all the nurses and doctors whatever they want,
2: yep, that's exactly what he does, yeah, yep <laughs>
1: <laughs> no that's pretty that's that's pretty cool and 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 you say he is pretty uh pretty supportive mhm-, yeah,
0: definitely so. We need to put Amber on um, Chopped or Hell's Kitchen
1: <laughs> or
2: what are what are
1: some of the other ones we watch? a uh, um, uh, Master Chef. Master Chef. Yeah. That's right. Have yeah. you
2: seen the new the new one, The Level Chef or whatever? Yeah. Uh, we actually, we actually watched it right before we yes, came to do level. the interview. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah we watch <laughs> it. We show. watch it, too. I love it.
1: That's uh, it, that is a, it adds a whole new wrinkle to it. You know, Gordon Ramsay has this way of just always being relevant. It's, it's wild. He will, oh, he I know. Never, yeah. He never goes stale. Like he's always thinking of something fresh and new. Yeah.
2: I mean, it to could, be that most of amazing chef ever, like you have to, <laughs> you have to well, be you know good at creating stuff new constantly, you know?
1: Well, well, they, they put me on the uh, worst chef, worst cooks. Worst cooks in America. Yeah, you
0: would be on there.
1: <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I cook you breakfast all the time. Everyone but that's like it.
0: that's it. That's,
1: you can do breakfast. <laughs> I can make fried chicken.
0: Okay, and a grilled cheese. So <laughs> I guess you cheese. wouldn't starve. You wouldn't starve.
1: And, and I, I'm good. I'm mean on the barbecue. I'm
0: yeah, like, but mm, like somebody mean. has to put the barbecue together for no, you. It's you a, just I l- put it <laughs> on the grill. I
1: let you do that just so you can feel involved. Oh,
0: you let me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yes. Damn it. Yes. Excuse my language. (laughs) Um, Well, Amber, uh, do you want to plug yourself? I mean, I don't know how public your life is, whether you want to give your social media locations and it's okay if you don't. um, But I always give this opportunity. You can say, you can leave us with some special words. You can do whatever it is in this last moment of the show.
2: Okay. Um, Let's see. My, I guess I have an Instagram. It's uh, jadedrose87. And then on Facebook, it's just Amber Rose Womack. Um, and I guess the best thing that I always try to remember um, is that this too shall pass. Uh, you create your own reality and just trust the journey. And that's what I try to remember. And that's it. Thank you for letting me come on here. Yes. Thank you for coming.
1: That, oh, sorry. That, that That is amazing. <laughs> I just, that was a little louder than I wanted it to be. Um, <laughs> thank you, Amber, for being coming open, uh, coming and being so open. That's our goal with this show is stories over stigma, as Coach P says, and we just want to keep spreading the word and creating community. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a fabulous week. Be well. Reach out to us if you ever need anything. Honey, you want to say something as we go? Nope. Take care, everybody.
2: Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye. i
1: Thank you for listening to another week of Bipolar Girl. In the words of Grammy award-winning artist from Africa, Amo Sangari, who I absolutely love, "Confico, the uncertainty of things." You know, living with a mental illness or living with someone with a mental illness can be uncertain at times. But that's why we do this show. We do this show to create community and a place where you can express yourself and get knowledge. Right, honey?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the whole reason we have the show, right?
1: Though, again, things might be uncertain, you can be certain that we're here for you. Godspeed and have a great week.